Good morning, everybody. Well, what a beautiful day, huh? Let me say this. Let the kids have the eggs, okay? Especially you guys up here on the campus. Don't be running out there and looking for the eggs. Looking for the kids. Yeah, you are still kids, but I think uh, they made the age differentiation for a reason. But it really is good to be here today. It's great to see a, a packed house. And I was just thinking, what am I going to say on Easter? It hasn't been said before. Because every year, if you're in the ministry, you have to come up with these Easter sermons. And before long, you begin to listen to kind of what's going on, and you get this great feeling of, wow, you know, it's springtime, and it's resurrection time, and everything's born again. And oftentimes, I don't, most of the time really, I don't feel that people really understand what they understood in the first century when the concept of the resurrection of Jesus was mentioned. You just got to figure we missed the point. And no matter where we are in life, no matter what substrata of existence we might find ourselves in, we all have to face the inevitabilities of the future. The future's coming. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's on its way. It's going to be knocking on the door before you know it. And I thought it'd be good to put forth this question. And, uh, you know, just think to yourself how you would answer these questions. And I'm going to start at the high school level, just because that's kind of when I start thinking about life. He would ask you, well, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? Well, I'll probably work or go to college. Well, then what? Well, I think I'll probably, maybe uh, someone would marry me and uh, might have kids. And then what? Uh, well, I probably uh, will enjoy my grandkids if I have any and watch my kids grow up. Then what? Well, I guess I'll retire and uh, probably take up a few hobbies, make a garden maybe. Then what? I guess I'll retire from everything. Then what? Well, I guess I'll die. Then what? Then what? And I can remember being, you know, younger, bigger, stronger. My max was 240, 32-inch waist. <laughs> That's how much I weighed. I was a monster. <laughs> and now look at me. <laughs> now I can remember feeling like I had life right there. Studied karate for years, big and strong guy, felt like nobody could mess with me. Well, those times change. Then what? Is really my question for you this morning. 
You know, much of our future we control with our decisions, right? Where we live, who we marry, who we don't marry, where we go to school, what kind of job we do. So we get this idea that the future is just kind of in our hands, you know. We're just riding that pony. And we're just riding it right on into the sunset, making all these great decisions. But most of our future involves inevitabilities that have nothing to do with our decisions. Aging. I mean, look at his head. You think I made a decision I want to go bald? (laughs) Most of our future is not in our control. You know, today is Easter Sunday, and it is a day of celebration. To think that Jesus was resurrected physically from the dead on this day. Hundreds of years ago. Millions gather to show respect to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A lot of places it appears to be more of a fashion carnival show than really respecting what Jesus intends for us to understand. But overall, the concept of resurrection has a huge appeal. Just the concept alone somehow gets people out of bed on Easter morning to come and feel like I at least got to show respect. Even the atheist has to tip his hat the concept of the resurrection. Now, if you drew a blank at the ultimate then what question. If you just kind of drew a blank. When I said, and then you're going to die, and then what? You kind of went, you know, need a little time on that one. Can you give me a few moments? If it sparked an interest in you, hey, maybe that's a question I need to start thinking about. And I think hopefully this message has something for you this morning. Amen. A couple of facts. Christianity is the only world religion in which the leader prophesied and fulfilled and historical resurrection. Oh, there have been a lot of religious teachers that have talked about an afterlife. I mean, anybody can do that. Amen. Anybody can get spiritual gold, there must be an afterlife. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence to look at the world around you and look at yourself and go, there's got to be something else going on. Okay? But all those teachers... No matter what they claim, they died and they did not come back. Jesus told His disciples He was going to die, be buried, and resurrected. And bam, He did it. Now, who do you want to follow? The guy that's talking about stuff that's dead? 
or the guy that talks about stuff and actually proves he has the power to deal with our ultimate problem, which is death. Amen. The ground is sucking us back into it. I've been working for the last week with a landscaper doing mason work. We had to pick up these 65-pound pavers. And we have to move them, set them down, pick them up, set them down, lift them up, throw them up. And I'm telling you, gravity is tough. (laughs) And I get up in the morning and... I mean, it's been good. You know, it's only about a week and a half work, so I'm kind of having fun. But I get up in the morning, and I can just feel the ground just want me to stay there, just sucking me back into it and just pulling with everything I have to get out of bed. Second fact. The resurrection is the most documented event in ancient and medieval history. The most documented event. Now, if you don't believe that, then show me one that's more documented. You believe in Aristotle? Why? Show me the evidence that Aristotle ever lived. Yeah, you get a few things there. And philosophy people that study philosophy, they go and they look at these things and they think Aristotle just runs the world. Aristotelian logic was really is awesome. They won't dispute his existence at all. Jesus Christ, his resurrection, okay, now we got to stop and think. Why do you have to stop and think if the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus died and was resurrected? I mean, just go through the New Testament alone, let alone some of the extra-biblical material. And the number of people that saw him after he was resurrected. People say, well, maybe he didn't really die. Hey, let me tell you, the Romans knew how to crucify people. They were ordered to crucify and to kill. A little spear right at the end, up in the side. Just a little... Okay, Captain, just want to make sure. He was dead. But he's resurrected. But for the resurrection to mean anything, it has to be discussed against the backdrop of death. That's the only... The resurrection doesn't exist in a vacuum. You can't even discuss the the, uh, concept without the, the implication question is going to be resurrected from what? See, the key here is Jesus was resurrected from the dead. They didn't just go around in the first century talking about, you know, Easter egg hunts and resurrections and springtime. It was resurrection from the dead. Death leads to resurrection in God's plan. It was the three days prior to the resurrection that provides the real backdrop. And that's the crucifixion. The death of Christ. 
the springboard for the resurrection of every other thing. They got to go hide the Easter eggs. We're counting them. We're giving you a hundred. There better be a hundred out there. The realization of our death, the real realization of our death, is going to lead us to appreciate the reality of the resurrection. If we don't think we're really dying, <clears throat> resurrection is not going to mean a whole lot. So let's talk about death for just a little while. Don't want to get negative, but I'm trying to get to the positive. Most of us are aware of the tragic airplane crash in the German Alps, what, a couple weeks ago now? Co-pilot apparently deliberately flew the plane into a mountain. Pilot was locked out. And I asked the question is, I saw the, you know, the footage or the plane, you know, they didn't actually show the plane, but they show a plane that was like that up in the air, and you just think about, wow, what that must have been like, knowing you got a guy in the cockpit who's running it into the mountain. I doubt anybody's like reading their magazine. Well, I guess everything will work out. But the question I have is, what were the last moments like? The screams. The horror. And watching the mountain actually, you know, you're going right down into it. Looked like you went right between two mountains down and you just crashed that rascal. Terrible. What were people thinking? What goes on in your mind when you know you have no hope? What would you be thinking? Where do you go? And the pilot's pounding on the door and everybody's screaming. Man, that must have been terrible. What do, you, what do you do when you know the end is right there? We've all wondered what it would be like to die, right? I mean, I've wondered. I mean, it's, you know, what happens if someone poured gasoline on me and lit me on fire? Oh, you know, I'd think about that when I was a kid. That's terrible. What would it be like to drown? What would it be like to get shot? We were kids, we had these contests of who could act like they were getting shot the worst. You know, like... And we'd run out and everybody go... You know, and we'd all have to fall in this incredibly creative way to win the contest, you know. Because they're like, ah, this is how you die. <laughs> We've all wondered about it. But you know what? We're all on a plane. Headed for a mountain. And you can sit there and read your magazine all day long. But that plane is coming in to that mountain. It's going down right now. Sometimes I feel it in my back. 
and my knees. Oh, my knees, my knees going down. You know, and getting a hold of our death and recognizing it is, is paramount. That's living a life for Christ. Many of us have heard of the Paris catacombs. Catacombs were built basically out of limestone tunnels that were dug under the city of Paris in order to build the city. But as they built the city, they had so many bodies in the cemeteries that they had to move the bodies underground in which they called those the catacombs. And you can actually go there today and walk down long ladder and take off for about a mile of walking. And on all sides, I mean, it's not like you've got a big sidewalk. It's just about, you know, like this. Every side there are bones. Six million bodies. Not bodies, skeletons. Down in the catacombs. And they've got those arranged so nicely. Like all the femur bones from 1847, right over here. You can go in there and hopefully find Uncle George somewhere, you know. <laughs> then they got the, ha- the, the heads all, you know, lined up. And I'll show you. Hopefully you can see this. What do I press? Just the... First, there we go. See? Can we turn the lights off for a minute? So people can see? A light switch? Is there a light switch? No light switch. Four or five guys on it. There we go. Is that good enough? Let's see how neat they were. See how neat. Mind the way. Boy, they stacked those nice, didn't they? Look at that. Six, seven million skeletons in there. Oh my gosh, look at the heads. Lined them up. Can you imagine working down there? What your dad do for a living? Well, he's a designer. Oh, and someone made a little heart. They put there just to encourage everybody. And they got a river. That runs through that. You can go down there and have a little picnic if you want. Take your family down there. I wouldn't put my foot, uh, feet in the water. And I definitely wouldn't drink the water. Because when I was there, I really had a nasty aftertaste. <laughs> that was a joke. I didn't drink the water. But there, well, we can turn it off now. But that... Experience for me. I mean, I walk for a mile. Just bones, 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 bones. Paris is just one big plane crash. That's all that is. They just went into the side of the mountain and there they all lined up. That's where we're going. Except for God's destiny for you, your head could just as easily be down in those tunnels making a heart. 
But for somehow you're here and you're listening to the resurrection, a message about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and hopefully it'll take hold because that is the destiny you're looking forward to. Look over First Peter. Just a moment. There is a positive side to this. First Peter chapter one. Now Peter was written to a group of people that lived up in the region of Asia Minor. And they were going through some pretty intense persecution. Many were dying for the, the cause of Christ. Many were being persecuted. And persecution doesn't mean you get fired from a job. You know, persecution back then usually meant floggings, death, crucifixions, torture, anything they could do to get you to deny Jesus Christ. So Peter is responsible for this area. So he says, you know, I've got to write a letter to encourage these brothers and sisters who are going through very difficult times that don't seem to be letting up. In other words, the airplane is on autopilot and it doesn't seem like anybody can do anything about it. We are going to be persecuted. It's his message to these people. Now when you're being persecuted and the plane's going down, how are you supposed to think? Where are you going to put your hope? What's going to translate all of that misery into something that's joyful and exciting and you can actually sit on the plane knowing it's going down with a smile on your face. Where are you going to get that hope? Notice how Peter starts. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He praises God and says, God, please deliver me. I mean, be honest with you, that's probably where I'd be going. <laughs> you acted like you wouldn't go there either? Okay, well, I'll be the only one. In His great mercy, He had given us new birth into a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. He's saying to these people, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know how to get you out of that situation. All I can do is to tell you that you are in good hands because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Though you face death, resurrection is going to be there. Amen. You're going to be okay at the end. It talks about a living hope in contrast to a dead hope. Let me show you the difference. Victor Frankl who's a noted psychiatrist and slash theologian back in the uh, 40s and 50s. He was a German Jew and went to one of the concentration camps as part of the persecution against the Jews in World War II. And there was a soldier there who was dying of starvation disease. And Dr. Frankel got to know this man and this man was living and he couldn't believe how he could go on living being in such a weakened state. 
But this man held on to the concept that the Allied troops would free them on a certain date. And he had that date in his mind, and he thought about that date, and he held on, and he held on, and guess what? The day came and it went. The next day, the man died. That's a dead hole. Oh, it generates energy, and it's life-sustaining. But it ends up in the same place. Death. Living hope. Historical verification. A concept that we need. A reality that we need. Teaching that actually solves our greatest problem. Amen. That's what we need. That's what we have to go for. That's what we have to get into our heart. Because I think if the, that plane had been full of disciples and we're sitting there knowing, okay, the end has come. I hope Peter gets up and goes, takes his guitar out and goes, hey, let's start jamming. <laughs> I hope Lewis just comes up with a drum and starts playing some fiddles. <laughs> and we just start celebrating. Amen. We, are, we now know the moment of our death. We know our Savior. We know what He did. We know where we're going. The end has come. And the good thing about dying in a plane crash you die fast. We should say, God, thank you for delivering us, for letting us die quickly, painlessly, for letting us have the band on the plane, and us celebrate and have a great time as we plummet to our death. We are, in essence, going into eternal life. I don't know what your answer is to the then what, but hopefully this message has generated in you a need to answer that question. And we're here to help you as a church, as individuals. But we want everyone to go to heaven. And we have found in the Bible you really can't know how to get there. But you need to know the crucifixion, the resurrection, what God can do for you. Think about these things. Have a great Easter. Let's celebrate together. And let's give God our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.